This is Miss Val, the author of Life is Short, Don't Wait to Dance, and I am on After the Glory with Gary Stern and Lucy Singh. Hey, this is James Oney on After the Glory with Gary Stern and Lucy Singh. Hi, this is Derek Cox, and it's been a pleasure being here on After the Glory with Gary Stern and Lucy Singh. What do Hall of Fame gymnastics coach Valerie Condos field? Football's Derek Cox and baseball's James Loney have in common? They all appeared on After the Glory. This is Gary Stern, and along with Lucy Sang, we thank Miss Val, Derek, and James for helping us kick off another season of conversations with elite athletes who prove once again that the traits of personality and character that made them elite athletes are the same ones that allow them to establish lives of meaning and purpose once their playing days are over. Lucy and I created this podcast because we are admirers of elite athletes and the challenges they face in making that often difficult transition at a young age to new challenges. After all, imagine the commitment, often since childhood, it takes to become the best in a sport, but then the realization that your time at the top of the mountain is so fleeting. So much of your life is ahead of you. What Lucy and I have found is that these elite athletes are elite people with stories we know you will find inspiring. We hope you enjoy this edition of After the Glory. And here we are with another edition of After the Glory. This is Gary Stern along with my co-host and co-creator Lucy Sang. And uh, we are coming toward the finish line of our season five tribute to the athletes of UCLA. And today we are joined by Zoe Shaw, who played softball at UCLA from 2015 to 2019, graduated in 2019 from UCLA, and went right into the world of business, uh, where she is uh, already a success doing insurance work. Um, Zoe went to El Camino Real Charter High School in Woodland Hills played two seasons of softball as a junior and senior under coach Lori Chandler and two years of baseball as a freshman and sophomore under coach Josh Leonard was the West Valley league player of the year in 2015, second team, all city, uh, and batted 480 with five home runs and 30 runs batted in, uh, first team, all league and second team, all city accolades as a junior. Um, and then, uh, uh, helped the uh, team to the, to the league title. Played travel ball with the Southern California Choppers. That's an interesting name. Um, and hit 370 in 2015. Came to UCLA and just continued on. Um, a versatile player. Uh, pretty much can do all the five tools of, uh, of the sport. Um, uh, helped UCLA to be a dominant softball team uh, in, the, in the nation. Uh Became a part of the Team Israel Olympic qualifying roster in December of 2018 and uh, went on to the uh, uh, European Championship, WFBSC 2019 championships that uh, she played in the Czech Republic. Um, she had a wonderful career at UCLA. Uh, in 2020, was elected to the Southern California Jewish Sports Hall of Fame, which I happen to know as being a board member of that organization. Um, and she's now here with us to talk about uh, sports and life. Zoe, it's great to have you on the show. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I'm super excited to be here. There you go. Um, we have asked a number of our, uh, actually, Lucy, let me turn it to you to get us started. Absolutely. 
Well, Zoe, one of our most uh, prominent questions that we start our show with every episode is just to ask our athletes, how did you get started in your sport? Why softball? Was it something natural to you? Did your parents put you in it? Where did softball come? So probably, you know, unlike most uh, softball athletes, I actually didn't grow up playing softball. I actually grew up playing baseball. Um, So played baseball, I mean, from when I was five years old all the way till I was 16, 17 years old. Um, I think I got into baseball because I have an older brother. He's just two years older than me. I think I was watching him in the front yard play catch with my dad. And then I wanted to, you know, be a part of it. Uh, and I just continued to play baseball, like I said, till I was 16, 17, um, because I felt that, you know, baseball and softball are, are just different sports. It's different speeds, you know, different lengths, different skill sets. Um, and I just felt that baseball paired best with my athletic ability, um, sort of played with the boys, was always the only girl on all boys teams, all the way up into high school. Uh, soon those boys turned into men. Uh, and I'm only 5'5", five, five, so I, I couldn't really continue physically much longer. So I decided in high school, my junior year, to switch over to softball. Um, and the rest is, is kind of history. Well, Zoe, can you help us clarify? Like it, like you mentioned, we rarely hear females play baseball, at least, you know, not through their teen years, at least. Mm-hmm. So what was that like? Was Was that accepted in your school what was that pretty normal or were you the girl on the baseball team kind of yeah I was the girl (laughs) I was always that girl um I always was the only girl growing up on all my all my boys teams and for me I mean I'm so grateful and lucky to have a family and, and parents and a sibling who was super accepting of me wanting to take sort of the road less traveled by um, and they understood it. You know, if I wanted to continue playing with the boys, they, they would support me. Um, I always said that the, the boys that I played with were always so kind, so respectful, so, you know, inclusive. Um, but at the same time, growing up a, a young girl and looking around and not seeing anybody who looks like you, you know, it was also, was also challenging on its own because I think when we're young and, you know, even as we get older, we just want to fit in. Right. Um, so uh, that part, I think, got more difficult as I, as I got older. And I would say the most challenging sort of relationships I was having was with other parents and other coaches uh, being accepting of, of me playing, you know, with, with all, all the boys. Wow. You, you know, it's interesting. I, I play men's senior baseball and uh, I played softball before I started men's senior baseball. And I gave up softball for exactly what you said, the skill set is so different. Um, the angle of the pitch, of course, is completely different. Um, the, the distance from the mound to the plate is different and, and the baselines. Um, but there's something else about your story of playing baseball as a child that I'd like to explore with you for just a minute before we head to our first break, and that is this. There was a national article recently uh, in which a number of professional ballplayers talked about, will there ever be a woman playing in the major leagues. And with the designated hitter uh, and other changes in the sport, there's an increasing belief that, that there is going to be room for a, a woman to play baseball. Agreed? I completely agree. Uh, I, I think, you know, just scientifically, men and women are, are made up differently. And I think, you know, baseball tends to favor the male body type. And I think 
you know, softball tends to favor the female body type. Um, But I absolutely think that there are talented girls who could absolutely play in the MLB. I just think so quickly or um, so early on, I guess, girls are always steered towards softball. So they're not even really given the uh, opportunity to compete in baseball. So I think it's, it's a lot of that women are steered away from the sport versus if there's actual talent, you know, to go the distance. Have you thought about going into baseball in, in terms of the administration, uh, umpiring? There have been women umpires. Um, has that thought crossed your mind at all? Absolutely. Especially as I was younger and, you know, coming out of college and, and trying to figure out, you know, my career. Um, it was a goal of mine to to work in, in baseball. And, you know, I think sports is a difficult industry to get into because everyone loves sports. Everyone wants to work in sports. It sounds fun. It sounds engaging. Um, so there's a lot of competition. So I was sort of steered away from going into baseball right out of school um, just so I could get some, you know, really good tangible skills and success and other you know, corporate corporate jobs, and then maybe down the line, if I was still interested, I would sort of go back into it. We'll come back to that uh, transition in the high school and uh, beyond uh, to elite status um, and more with Zoe when we come back on After the Glory. This is Gary Stern, Lucy Sang, and our special guest, Zoe Shaw. Hello, this is Dean, third-generation owner of Sarah Leonard Fine Jewelers. We are located near UCLA in the heart of Westwood Village, where we have been since 1946. For 74 years, my family has stood for the highest standards of knowledge and integrity and are proud members of the prestigious American Gem Society. But it is our personal touch that truly makes us a cut above. Client relationships last for decades and generations. With six UCLA alumni, the family has supported UCLA for decades, including the famous Sarah Leonard Jewelers Watch Giveaway. For diamonds and colored gems, designer collections and estate jewelry, watches, custom design, and gorgeous gifts starting under $100, it's all here at Sarah Leonard Fine Jewelers. Mention the code GLORY and get 20% off your first purchase, plus a 10% UCLA discount on all future purchases. Call 310-208-3131 today for your appointment or visit us at sarahleonardjewelers.com. Free parking available. Again, call 310-208-3131. Use the code GLORY and experience the Sarah Leonard difference for yourself. And we're back on After the Glory. This is Lucy Sang with Gary Stern and our special guest, Zoe Shaw. Zoe, let's jump right into it. How... How and when did you realize you could play baseball, softball at an elite level? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I felt this may seem strange, but growing up, I never really had a goal of going D1 or playing at a university because I always thought I would play baseball. I never thought I would play softball. I think because so many people were telling me, you should play softball. You should play softball that it did the opposite effect and made me want to stick with baseball just that much more. Um, So I think once I sort of capped out my baseball potential, when I finished my senior year of high school, I, you know, still wanted to play sports. So I decided, okay, I'm I'm going to go into, into softball. My dad suggested to me, well, why don't you go to a UCLA softball camp? We were doing some, some drills and uh, it was when coach I you know, the head coach of UCLA uh, came up to me and started asking me questions of if I was recruited already or how old I was. Um, and that kind of started to spark my interest in playing at an elite level. When you uh, got toward the end of high school and now you're thinking about college, was it the academics first? Was it the 
was it the recruiting process? Uh, was it a particular school like UCLA? Um, what was that process like for you? And how did it end up uh, at UCLA? So <laughs> UCLA made it really easy on me. They were my first school to recruit me and my only school to recruit me. And luckily, they're the best school in, in all things. They're, they were the best, you know, they still are the best softball school in history, have the most national championships, have the most All-Americans, Olympic players. I can go on on and on. Uh, and, you know, and the best, best public university, you know, in the nation. So you really couldn't get much better than that. Uh, and like I said, maybe UCLA didn't know this, but they weren't really competing with anybody else, just themselves. <laughs> so, did, did, you let, did you make them think they were? I think so. Pro any good negotiator, you gotta you gotta pretend that there's someone else on the line. It makes you more enticing. I think. Um, I can't remember. I, I was getting recruited, you know, by other schools, but nothing as as prominent as UCLA. It wasn't, you know, UCLA was contacting me and sending me things in the mail, you know, every other week. Looking back, I'm I'm so so beyond grateful that they were the first and only because they are just so elite in everything uh, they do, and you know it's. It's such a great legacy to be a part of. I've asked this question of a number of our guests uh, over the last two years uh, who, who are female, um, because I, I believe we are literally in a perhaps third revolution in terms of the, the role of women in our society and getting past the stereotypes that have defined women for so long, unfortunately. Um, and, and one of them is athletics and sports. And on the 50th anniversary of Title IX, the question, I guess, is a simple one. As you went through your life, was there ever a time when you felt that there were others in your orbit who thought, what are you doing playing sports? Why aren't you doing other things that are what women should do? Or for you, was that were those stereotypes something that simply did not visit your life? They definitely visited my life, but in the sense of you shouldn't be playing baseball, you should be playing softball. Ah. Um, and, you know, I grew up in Southern California. I mean, it's pretty much as progressive as, as it can get. So women challenging themselves and doing things that are hard were absolutely admired and, and encouraged. But I would say when it came to baseball and knowing that there was a female option to choose, people really had a hard time accepting that. Um, and got very invested in my journey. Like I said, those parents, those coaches, um, when really they should be minding their own business, <laughs> I think. Yeah. So I, I think that was always challenging because I was, if you think of it, being a young girl surrounded by all boys and then being coached by, you know, dominant males and those dominant males telling me, I, sh you know, I don't belong really does set forth a sort of, um, I guess, reoccurring theme in, in my head that maybe I don't belong or maybe I'm not good enough or, you know, maybe I should move to softball. So I think it just sort of reinforced um, this question in my head. Am I good enough? Do I belong here? And that, you know, and what you, you know, those themes that you pick up as a young child carry on into your, you know, adulthood. So I think, you know, coaches have to be really, really careful about what messages they're sending to, you know, their, their young players, because it really does make an impact. And you will remember what they said, even if, to them, it's, it seems irrelevant. Yeah. Mental health on the field and off the field is very, very crucial in sports. Right. Totally. 
Well, Zoe, what do you think is the biggest and best memory that you've had at UCLA? Whether it's softball or not, maybe one of totally. each. Uh, I mean, it's pretty, this one's pretty easy. I mean, winning the national championship mm-hmm. in 2019 is, was pretty incredible. I mean, I always think of, you know, when you're in your, at least for me and my brother who would, you know, always battle it out in the front yard, playing wiffle ball. And you sort of, as a young child envision, you know, what the greatest stage looks like and all the fans and cameras and trophies. And I think the women's college world series in Oklahoma really embodies everything that you think of as a child. So to be able to sort of live out that dream and, you know, be just live out that young girl's dream was so incredible and to be with my teammates and, and coaches and to just experience that sort of nostalgic dog pile to the end and to cap off my senior year, I couldn't, you know, envision it any better. Um, I was also very grateful to win a national championship as a senior so to be able to put a period, you know, on my career, I think is in that way was was really amazing. Let's follow up on that and some other experiences that Zoe had in athletics and uh, and then delve into what she's doing now. When we come back on After the Glory, this is Gary Stern along with my co-host Lucy Sang and our guest Zoe Shaw. This is Daryl Wayne, here to talk to you about the co-creator and co-host of After the Glory, Woodland Hills lawyer Gary Stern. When Gary's not talking to elite athletes, you can usually find him doing what he's been doing for almost 45 years, navigating the world of government. As a college student and young professional, Gary helped folks deal with federal and state agencies through his work as a caseworker with a local congressman and state senator. That work prepared Gary for a career as a consumer lawyer. Today, Gary still helps people in all walks of life, but his passion nowadays is his service as a mediator, mostly in cases like the ones he's been handling for over four decades, where people have been injured in accidents or in connection with their employment. You can learn more about Stern Law, the law offices of Gary N. Stern at his website, www.sternlaw.org, that's S-T-E-R-N, or you can call him at 818-710-2717, that's 818-710-2717. And we're back on After the Glory. This is Gary Stern with Lucy Singh and our guest, uh, Zoe Shaw, UCLA softball, 2015 to 2019. Zoe, you just described for us the, that 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 sheer elation of winning a national championship. One of the things I noticed is that you came to uh, UCLA uh, having achieved it at El Camino, but there was a transition. Uh, and as I looked at the stats, you improved and improved significantly every year uh, through your senior year. You didn't start off gangbusters. Uh, you had good moments, but the improvement is, was, was, is just remarkable and consistent. Um, what did you attribute that to? How did you use your time in college to be both a, an accomplished student and to do what's necessary to improve during the entire four-year career there? Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head is when you when you come in, you have extremely challenging academics and now you have an extremely challenging athletic schedule. And I think when I came in as a freshman, I was sort of a deer in headlights in the sense of how do I balance both? Because I was always a good student uh, and I wasn't always a good athlete, but how do you combine them and be successful at both? So I think it took some trial and error to you know, work on my my time management, work on where do I spend my energy, 
who I spend that energy with. I think it was is sort of trial and error my freshman season to sort of figure out that that balance. And I think a lot of it attributes to, you know, getting older and growth. Um, and then, as I kind of touched on on prior, having confidence, you know, coming in, I didn't realize that I had this theme, you know, in my head from my past baseball experience that, hey, maybe I don't belong here or maybe I don't deserve that starting spot or my confidence wavered a lot my freshman year. And the way we were able to sort of kind of nick that and, and kind of kick it in the butt uh, is that we had weekly uh, therapy sessions and we would have them as a team and we would kind of dive into, you know, each player and, and what they were struggling with. And I sort of raised my hand uh, to our therapist and say, I'm struggling with my confidence. And we sort of really dug into it in front of the whole team, which was really challenging, uh, but it was life changing. And we kind of brought it back to, hey, you grew up in this environment where people told you, you didn't belong. You belong here. So to be able to have uh, that enlightening moment was, like I said, life changing and then just life changing as a player as well, because it was really it allowed me to sort of let go of those insecurities and really just flourish and and be confident in who I was and and the player that I am. Um, And so I attribute that growth to my growth in my mental health and confidence. I also imagine that type of growth is really strengthening for the team, right? I mean, softball is absolutely a team sport. There are several sports we can name where even if an individual is, is better, it doesn't impact the team as much. But I can imagine in softball, baseball, several other sports team is extremely important. So I, I had never heard of the concept of having a therapy session as a team. That oh, sounds really cool. It was at UCLA softball. That is a weekly occurrence. And I think they had started it. I guess I'm not too sure, but I, at least I know that they had started it my freshman, freshman year and continued it all the way to the world series. You know, we were having therapy sessions as a team, literally the night that we won the world series. And, and not every, you know, session is really heavy and filled with tears and, and gut-wrenching moments. Like a lot of them were light and, and team-building activities. Um, you know, I, I think the therapist that we used was Dr. Parham, and, and he was truly a huge reason why we're, we were able to win uh, in, in 2019. So, you know, huge, huge shout out to him. I'm, I'm his biggest fan. <laughs> One of the things I mentioned in the introduction was that uh, in 2020, you were elected to the Southern California Jewish Sports Hall of Fame. And as a member of its board, uh, I know firsthand that when it was founded in 1990, and it remains its mission, the idea that um, for decades, if not centuries, there was the stereotype that the Jew couldn't play sports. They were just simply cerebral by nature. And, and the idea of the Hall of Fame is to honor Jewish athletes who have demonstrated that uh, Jewish people, like anybody else, can be accomplished in sport. Um, for you growing up um, uh, as a Jew, um, and maybe this goes to what your speech was at your induction, um, how, how did you sort of bridge those two concepts, being Jewish and being an athlete? Yeah, I didn't really have, I don't even think I was truly as aware of that as a young, as a young girl. I think now I understand sort of those, those stereotypes and playing for the Israeli national team and sort of knowing the history of Israel and the Olympics and the, you know, events that have gone on. I think I became more aware of that. Um, 
but yeah, I think I was sort of guarded, you know, in, in, in the sense that I, I didn't even really know that stereotype existed until later on. And talk about that experience with the Israeli national team. What was that like? It was amazing. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, obviously, I knew it was going to be an amazing experience, but I had never met the coaches before. I had never, you know, met my teammates. I'd never been to Israel. It was sort of kind of a, uh, a unique experience that I, I had no idea what was in store. And I can honestly say it was one of the best experiences of my life. We lived in a kibbutz. Uh, which is like a little farmhouse. And so we lived on a carrot farm with, uh, with my teammates and coaches for about a month. And it was just such a surreal experience. It was very different than my UCLA experience where you're in fancy hotels and you're taking a private plane to the World Series. And Israel kind of put things in, in perspective, but in the best way. It made me so grateful for, you know, the equipment we had at UCLA and, and the resources because it, sports in Israel is really not, uh, a predominant interest because they have to serve two years after after high school, I believe. So uh, it, it only leaves room for recreational sports. There's no real professional sports that are, are encouraged. Um, so it was an amazing time. And not only did I get to play with some of the local players, but they also brought a lot of the uh, Division One players from around the country uh, in the U.S. playing for you know teams from Stanford, Cal Poly. Um, San Diego State. Um, so it was nice to kind of have a mixture of both of, of people that I was used to seeing, but also, you know, some brand new new faces, which brought some great learning experience and perspective. Let's come back for one more uh, uh, session of uh, discussion with Zoe about uh, life after her, uh, her work and her career in softball. When we come back on After Glory with uh, Lucy Singh, this is Gary Stern and Zoe Shaw. Hey, this is Lucy Sang from Resiliency Coaching. I am a certified mental performance coach focused on working with athletes transitioning into life after the glory days of sports. I help like-minded people become high performers and thrive in all areas of life. My goal is to serve as your accountability partner and offer different perspectives as you make tough decisions. Learn more about me on Instagram at resiliency underscore coaching R-E-S-I-L-I-E-N-T-S-E-E underscore coaching. And thanks for tuning in to After the Glory. And we're back on After the Glory. This is Gary Stern with Lucy Sang and our guest, Zoe Shaw, UCLA softball, 2015 to 2019. I think you've alluded to it in the past, in, in, in this show today, Zoe, that, you know, you're, you're playing a sport and it's a passion of yours, but uh, unlike athletes, especially men, to be honest about it, um, those who become elite can sometimes or often look to a pro career afterwards. You know going in that there's not a pro circuit that's going to follow college. And so you're thinking about your life after the sport and after graduation. Um, tell us about how you uh, made that transition from finishing up your softball career with a national championship to going into the business world? Was it was it difficult? Uh, was it seamless uh, emotionally, physically? How was it for you? Yeah, I think it was it was a transition. I think I started to realize around my junior season at UCLA, like, hey, this isn't going to last forever, uh, which is scary because it's really softball is your identity for, you know, your whole life, essentially. And then to know that that sort of blanket is, is no longer going to be there anymore is, is scary. 
Um, so I didn't really know what I wanted to do after I graduated, um, but I knew I wanted to be in the business world. Um, so what I did is I looked to my resources. You see, I provide so many amazing resources. And uh, I worked with a company called Athletes to Careers, and they are a recruiting company uh, that basically sort of assesses your skills, your talents, your personalities, and helps pair you with uh, really amazing, you know, Fortune 500 companies. Um, so worked with them and my recruiter, Taylor Snow, who was also uh, a UCLA softball player. So she really had an idea of what I had just been through and um, placed me in sales. She said, You'd ha you have a great personality for sales. You have that grit. You have that work ethic. You have that, you know, team mentality. Um, so I ended up going to a company called Sintos and they're a big sort of Fortune 500 um, facility service company you know, not, not the shiniest object to sell, you know, uniforms, toilet paper, soap. I mean, when she sent me that opportunity, I like was like, I just won a national championship. I'm not selling toilet paper. Like that is, <laughs> that is not what I signed up for. But she humbled me really quickly and said, it's, you know, it's not about what you're selling. It's about who you're selling for. And Cintas is an amazing company with amazing co culture, and they will set you up for success. So I bought into that immediately. And uh, it was, I will say it was pretty seamless. I was really able to be, you know, extremely successful at CentOS and one of their top reps, you know, in the nation within my, my first year. Um, and that's, I just attribute to sort of the work I put in prior with, you know, athletics and, and already knowing how to work hard, already knowing how to push through, you know, the no's or the failures. Um, I, I think sales is as close as a playing softball I could have gotten you know, when, when it came to the corporate arena. Well, Zoe, can we put some tangible words to it as, I mean, what you're talking about is transferable skills, right? From the field, from the sport to a career. Uh, things like perseverance, things like hard work, I imagine communication and, and resilience. You know, I'm sure it's not easy being a salesperson, getting all those no's because exactly. you have to get right back up and still aim for a yes. Right. And, and it's funny because one of the analogies I usually make with my athletes that I work with is, you know, in, in baseball and softball, when you hit three out of 10, you're an all-star, right? Yeah. Like in everything else in life, you know, if you're not getting an A, which is nine out of 10, then, you know, you, you're not that great, but really in reality, three out of 10 is pretty darn good. So exactly. And then, and, then, and that's exactly why I went into sales. I was used to those you know, no's or those quote unquote strikeouts. Right. But, mm -hmm. you know, when at a high level, when you strike out or you make an error, you don't just like sulk about it. You think, okay, Hey, what can I do better so that I can make the next opportunity a great one? You know, so if I struck out on a rise ball, okay, next at bat, I'm not swinging at that, mm -hmm. um, which will then set you up for success. Same thing with sales. Okay. I didn't get that sale. I, that presentation didn't go how I wanted. What can I do better? And being able to give that internal constructive criticism and apply it to you know, the next opportunity versus fold is, is what I think really makes athletes stand out, you know, in in the corporate corporate world. We just had the, uh, as mentioned earlier, the 50th anniversary of Title IX, um, which was passed uh, by Congress in 1972. Um, a lot of women have been reflecting, uh, major athletes uh, uh, have been reflecting on the, the meaning of Title IX and, and where we are. Wh where would you say we are today and what what improvements what progress needs to still be made for women that's a tough question i mean i think you know 
if you take sports out of it, just, you know, women's equality is something that we're always, you know, striving, striving for. Um, and I, I just, I think in terms of, you know, the sports world, I think it's just that men tend to have the stereotype of being more entertaining to watch because they're more muscular and they have more testosterone and, and they're able to do things with their bodies that women just can't. But I think there needs to be enough sort of opportunity to showcase that women have their own set of skills and women have, you know, their own unique athletic ability that's entertaining in their own right. So I think it's just giving equal opportunity to sort of the, um, I don't know what the right word is, um, broadcasting, I guess, ensuring that there's the same amount of broadcast for men that there is for women. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. I think there's been a, uh, I think the media has been responsible for a lot of that misconception. And and we we know this to be true because yes, women's basketball, for example, had a tough time getting the same number of fans as as men because uh, the women are not dunking uh, to the extent that, that men are. On the other hand, look at how the whole nation, men and women, came together to watch women's soccer in this country. Um, and so, uh, because they, everybody, men and women, saw something exciting on the field uh, in women's soccer. So I think it just depends on the coverage. It depends upon the, uh, uh, the, the importance that's attached uh, on a national level to what it is that you're accomplishing. Do uh, you think that's pretty accurate? Yeah. Spot on. I, I completely, yeah. completely agree. Well, you know, Zoe, it's been great to have you on uh, After the Glory. Uh, we have uh, had a such a cross-section of, of sig- significant accomplished athletes. And I say it again, as you go forward in your work with Marsha McLennan now in the insurance world, um, I suspect that your success will be due largely to the, the values and, the, and the, the drive that it took to become an elite softball player and that'll just uh, carry forward, I'm sure, long into the future for you. Thanks for being with us today. Yeah, thank you guys so much for the opportunity. This was amazing. Good. Oh, Lucy, boys. good to see you, Lucy. Keep that baby healthy and happy. You bet. There you go. All right. Till next time. Thank you, Zoe. Lucy and I hope you enjoyed this edition of After the Glory. As we leave you until next time, we want to thank our team, our producer, Mark Allen, executive producer from PodClips, Mike Anderson, and our sound engineer and editor, the insane Daryl Wayne. We are also grateful for music by T. Dan Hofstead. And as we close out this episode of After the Glory, we honor our guest with our theme song, written and sung by my brother in baseball, T. Dan, the master of music from the islands and the slack key guitar. Until next time, stay safe, healthy, and athletic. Living the dream on a shooting star. Hometown crowd cheering what you are. Living large and riding high. Razzling and dazzling across the sky. Back in the day, so young and strong. Work or play, you can do no wrong. But when that ride is through, your story, what you gonna do after the glory, step back and take inventory, 
Every day, congratulatory, humbly.